Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am on this 4th of July. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. Uh, New York City, man. New York City. Growing up in the early 1800s, P.T. Barnum had a natural talent for publicity and promotion. He turns to showbiz and creates the Barnum and Bailey Circus. What could go wrong? <laughs> we are doing 2017's The Greatest Showman. It had its U.S. premiere on December 20th, 2017, directed by Michael Gracie. He's an Australian director and visual artist. This was his directorial debut, and he also directed the Pink documentary, Pink, All I Know So Far. I believe like singer that. Pink. Yeah, the yeah. Oh, uh huh. I would Her, like to see that. I, I, I think it's, it's on one of the streaming services, either Netflix or Amazon, but it's out there. I want to watch it as well. Um, the writer is Jenny Bix. She also did What a Girl Wants, worked on Sex in the City, The Big C, and Rio 2. Nerd alert, she played Miss Haskell in the Drew Barrymore film Never Been Kissed. Hmm. It was also hmm. written by Bill Condon, who wrote and directed Gods and Monsters. Um, he won an Academy Award for that screenplay. He also wrote Kinsey, Dream Girls, wrote Chicago, and directed Beauty and the Beast. Damn. And the story is by Jenny Bix as well. The score is by John Debney, who did Little Giant Spy Kids and The Passion of the Christ, to name a few. And Joseph Trapanese, who did Tron Legacy, Straight Outta Compton, and The Raid. Songs by Pasek and Paul, that's Benji Pasek and Justin Paul. They also did Dear Evan Hansen, the NBC TV series Smash, and they did the lyrics to La La Land. The director mm -hmm. of photography is Seamus McGarvey. He also did Atonement, Nocturnal Animals, and Bad Times at the Elroy Hotel. The editor, there were six editors on this. So we have Tom Cross, who also did Whiplash, Robert Duffy, who also did Unstoppable and a ton of music videos, John Hutching, who did Born on the Fourth of July, huh. Michael McCusker, Cusker, who did Ford versus Ferrari, John Pohl, who did Meet the Parents, and Spencer Susser, who also did Hesher. The choreography is by Ashley Wallen, who also did Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, and has worked with Kylie Minogue and Mariah Carey, to name a few. Oh, man. So many names. Uh, it's it's all over the place. She's got Mariah Carey, The Greatest Showman, and then Jingle Jangle. Yeah. I heard Jingle Jangle was really good. I'm going to watch it next Christmas. I want to watch it. Wait. I think I might have watched it. I didn't. Maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I heard it was good too. My dad watched it. He liked it. Oh, that. Oh, that's probably where I heard that. <laughs> Starring Hugh Jackman as P.T. Barnum. You know him as Wolverine and the X-Men movies and Logan. He's also in Van Helsing, Eddie and the Eagle, Bad Education. Zac Efron as Philip Carlyle. He's in High School Musical, 17 again, Extremely Wicked and Shockingly Evil and Vile as well. Michelle Williams as Charity Hallett Barnum. 
You know her from Dawson's Creek, Brokeback Mountain, Fosse Verdon. Here's an interesting nerd alert about Michelle Williams. Her father was a commodities trader, and he he taught her. And when she was 17, she entered and won the Robins World Cup Championship, which was a future tradings contest. She got a return of 1,000%. She was the first woman to win and the third highest of all time. And her father was the first of all time. Wow. So she knows how to just make money. <laughs> with the, and isn't that- I didn't realize. So this is, you know, how I'm not great with actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking she looked familiar. And then I was listening to a podcast. They said her name. I was like, that's who that is. Yeah, Michelle. I watched the whole movie. She- it took me a minute. I get her confused with Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Yes. Carrie mm-hmm. Mulligan was in the, what was that movie? A Promising Young Woman, most recently. Mm-hmm. And she's I a just British thought, well, And Michelle Williams, you said she usually has short hair. Yes. I, I, I didn't buy her in this role. Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Oh, okay. Um, okay. We have Rebecca Ferguson as Jenny Lind. You know her from Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and Fallout, as well as Dr. Sleep and the Girl on the Train. Oh, yeah. I kept saying, I've seen her, but I Was can't Was she the Girl her. on the Train? I think so. I never watched the movie because I read I read the book of the Me girl. Me too. That's why I can't bring myself to watch The Woman in the Window because I read that. Oh, interesting. We have Zendaya as Ann Wheeler. She was in Casey Undercover, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Far Away, and also Euphoria. We have Kiala Settle as Letty Lutz, a.k.a. the Bearded Lady. She was in Ricky and the Flash, All My Life, Big Shot. Yaya Abdin Mateen II as W.D. Wheeler. He was in Aquaman. He was in The Watch or Watchmen, remember from HBO. Also in Trial of the Chicago Seven. Ma is like, oh, yes, yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you can uh, tell what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Natasha Lou Borizio as Den Yang. She was in The Society, Hotel Mumbai, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon colon sort of destiny paul sparks as james gordon bennett who's in boardwalk empire house of cards and the night of sam Humphreys as charles stratton he was tom thumb he was also in the tv show neighbors diane carroll as wait was diane carroll in this no See, I did these particulars before I watched the movie, and so I included Diane Carroll, and I'm just now seeing this after I did my nerd alerts and stuff, and um, it had... Okay, so Wikipedia has Diane Carroll down as Joyce Heth. Yeah, she was. Which, because I... Yeah, because I listened to a podcast, and she, she portrayed Joyce Heth. I'm... Now I have to go back and watch the movie because I'm like, wait, Diane Carroll was in this? Because I didn't know who Joyce Heth was until I... Trust yeah. me, guys. Oof. Wait for it. Yeah. And so I'm like, wait, what? Wait, Diane Carroll was Carmen Jones, Porgy and Bess, Julia. 
But I don't even remember. I don't think that it was a big part. It. I don't. I would have remembered like, oh my god, Diane Carroll. I feel like she got cut out of the film. Maybe that's what happened because I don't remember seeing that at all. Because I remember hearing about Joyce Heth and being like, I don't remember that in the movie. Yes, and I just found out about. Can you look it up while I finish the particulars? I'm trying. Yeah. Joyce okay. who? Who did she portray? Joyce? Joyce Heth. Yeah. H-E-J-O-I-C-E. Huh. Oh. I, oh, maybe it didn't. Maybe she didn't actually. She must have got, because like what I'm seeing on the greatest showman fandom.com is Carol will portray Joyce Heth in the greatest showman. Oh. So I'm wondering if that part didn't actually. I'm thinking it didn't actually make it, and also Diane Carroll is no longer with us. Right. And I think maybe it's like that's one of that's probably one of the un unappealing, um, unpleasant parts of history that maybe they were like maybe we shouldn't include this in this happy movie. Guys, <laughs> hang on, buckle your safety belts for what's about to come. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Did you look at any of the pictures? No. 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 Frederick uh, Lenny as Benjamin Ballot, Charity's father and P.T. Barnum's father-in-law. Um, oh, I forgot to... Okay, and that, that's it. So those are the particulars. I just forgot to cut those out. I I wanted to end on Diane Carroll, and then I forgot, and then when I watched the movie, and then I didn't see her, but then I did my research, and so I know who Joyce Heth is, and now my mind is exploding. I don't know. So I am, I I, I don't know. So I'm ready. I think it was cut. Oh, you didn't, oh, you don't know. You didn't hear the, ugh. Oh. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay, well, it, it this is America. <laughs> okay oh god also like photography can i just say i had to google when photography was invented Mm -hmm. while watching the movie and it it was around i should have known but it was created in around 1800 so there are very unpleasant photos of this these these times yes yeah and also well the photography was kind of in its infantile stage i believe so people would have to to sit for long periods of time and stuff yeah probably to for the exposure to uh happen but it was around because they have i mean they have pictures of uh, lincoln there are pictures of ulysses s grant i mean you wouldn't know it by watching this film but this is does take place during a little thing called the civil war yeah. Wouldn't Which know it. It's not by... even mentioned. Not that one time. Not one time. Okay, I am going to set the table. Okay. Okay. We start with a show tune set in a circus motif. This is the greatest show, is this that's what they're singing over and over again. We meet a young, hungry, and scrappy. Do you hear that? Young, mm-hmm. hungry, and scrappy. Uh, <laughs> P.T. Barnum. He meets the love of his life as a young child. Uh, she is society-raised charity, and they keep singing until he opens Barnum's American Museum of Curiosities. 
it starts out with taxidermied animals and wax figures. His daughters tell him he needs something real. And so it begins. Mm. So we are to POC count and our cast. Okay, sorry, I just did Google it and it said that her scenes were cut out of the final film. Okay. So that is very interesting. All right, POC count. So we have Anne and WD. I counted two kids in the group. I counted, and then there are like two um, Asian Americans who are co-joined twins. So I yes. counted at there about six. And then there are bystanders. I mean, the people who come to the circus and such. There are a few. Uh, okay. Okay. But in, oh, I guess I'll leave that out. I'll save that Go for ahead. later. Okay. Oh, okay. So as far as cast. Hmm. Um, well, well. Oh boy. Well, this yeah. is. This is kind of where we where we get into it because it's a kind of a cast slash nerd alert slash deleted scene so um this movie plays very fast and loose with history um in 1835 pt barnum he was 25 years of age he bought joyce heth who was an enslaved person oh i know who she is now yeah who she was also blind and almost completely paralyzed she could talk, and I think she could move one of her arms. And she was billed as a 161-year-old former nurse of George Washington. And as, in, he, as in a nurse who nursed him with her own milk. Right. She was, a wet, she was supposed to be a wet nurse for George Washington. Well, she was an enslaved person working he for wasn't. Washington. Right. So um, P.T. Barnum... Uh, advertised her as, quote, the most astonishing and interesting curiosity in the world. And he put her on display. And people gawked at her and withered at, at and looked at because she had a, a very withered body and in New York and New England. And she would recite stories about dear little George. Um he also fueled a rumor that she was an automation controlled by a ventriloquist because people didn't believe that she was a real person. And then when Joyce died in 1836, P.T. Barnum staged a public autopsy and he charged 50 cents for admission. And Which nowadays were, is $10. There were about 1,500 people who came to witness this woman who was never free a day in her life be publicly autopsied. And P.T. Barnum sold it to prove that she was, in fact, 161 years of age. And then when the public autopsy was done for paying people to witness, the doctor said, oh, she was about only 80 years old. And then P.T. Barnum was like, oh, no, that's not the real her. The real her is living somewhere. So this guy, P.T. Barnum, in real life, is not anything at all like the wonderfully sympathetic Hugh Jackman 
character of P.T. Barnum in this no. film. No. Um, this movie also pretty much never mentions race. It only merely implies it. Um, they, With Zendaya? And, yeah, um... Zendaya. She's, she says, like, oh, people like us and people like me. And then they weren't allowed to see the queen. Yeah, but it's always implied. And then people say, like, oh, the help. And I think maybe somebody at at one time says, like, spook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, the Civil War, like, there's never, it's, this movie is just, it's very, I found it very fun and entertaining and enjoyable to watch. And then you go in and look at the real history and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, have it has any? Nobody- and I think I think there would I think there was a way to do it where they I don't think you have to mention the Civil War all the time. You know, I like yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's fine to make a movie that in that set in that time period without being about the war. But you can't. It's like there's they left this. They really just watered it down to be. There's certain things that you can't, and you could tell they tried to address certain race issues, but they wouldn't actually come out and do it or. They did it in a way where if you're a kid watching it, you wouldn't know, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because they didn't want... Well, honestly, that's the point, I guess, but... In, in like, just to be completely blunt about it, I feel like they just didn't want to make white people uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, that was their audience. Yeah, exactly. We want to sell tickets, and we want to... And so we're, we just want to address these issues as comfortably as possible for the white film going public so they don't get uncomfortable about it my prop my biggest problem i'll get into it right and now the other thing is they wanted it it's only rated pg so i think they mm-hmm. wanted to make oh, a movie yes. that they could like it's for kids it's not for you know they're trying to make a money a movie that would make money the right. yeah, theaters yeah. and kids could go see my thing is don't have it be why do you have him be pt barnum has no these are Broadway people who who made right. This. Why couldn't Nobody's... you just made like a fictional? If you wanted right. it to be that story, you could have just made it be a fictional character. But instead, you had to take an actual person where there's real history, and like change it. Dream Girls to make it more digestible. Dream Girls is about the Supremes, but it's not the Supremes. Mm-hmm. It's fictional. It's com- but Hugh you know? Jackman had had wanted to do a movie about P.T. Barnum forever, so he probably had the the clout to get this done, and so there you go. So okay, um, and then also classism. Yes, and and I have a quote where P.T. Barnum is talking talking to Tom Thumb and Tom Thumb is saying, I don't, I don't want to go in front of people because I don't want them laughing at me. And PT Barnum says, they're going to laugh at you anyway. You might as well get paid. So that's cast. Like, are you, are you choosing to go out and be laughed at in order to make money? I mean, just freak shows in general. It's like freak shows. A whole. Yeah. Um, because Teeny just sent me that I saw the picture of mm-hmm. yeah, drawing of like Joyce Heth and she has like little baby Washington. I recommend going to mountvernon.org. Um, they actually this is about the second time that we've actually referenced them because remember we also did it with George Washington's teeth. That they do a really good job on that that's um website because Mount Vernon is George Washington's home. 
they do a good job about like telling the truth about like they don't sugarcoat it. So there's a section of Joyce Heth in the that I read on the mountvernon.org website and because of the, you know, the uh, association that she had allegedly had. So it goes into that whole thing. PT Barnum had her teeth removed to further along the, the, his whole story about her being 161 years of age. So, wow. you know, add that in, it, you know, he, this was a person that he bought, had, was already blind, was already partially paralyzed, that he could make this story out of, and to add it, it's like, oh, let's remove her teeth. So this is this is the kind of fellow that we're Hugh Jackman yeah. it, like really wants to play and and dance around. And I don't know I if they actually had like people of color in the audience in the movie, but in real life he wouldn't let black people into his museum. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I I mean the whole I guess I'll <clears throat> That might be my LVP, so I'll get to it there. Okay. okay. Well, I'm going to say I think he he really originated fake news. He did. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, yes, he did. He, he was, was the first fake yeah. loser. Yeah. He <laughs> Alternative is. facts. And But the my problem with that is that this movie glorifies that and says oh look he's just spreading entertainment to the right, people they right. just want the masses but then when you go in and you look at what this guy actually was about it's like uh no i uh, uh no what no why couldn't you have just right why did you have to marry it to this guy now like i there's this great movie that i'm like oh this is yeah. fun and then but you gave him the name of this guy who's a fuck boy i'm I'm putting yeah, him in. in the, yeah. He's in the fuckboy canon. Yes, he is. P.T. Barnum, welcome. Okay, Aaron, take a drink because we are to nerd alert. Unless, right. Christine, did you have something else to say? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, you said okay. it's your LVP. So, nerd alerts, this film came out in 2017, but I got a lot of nerd alerts, so I just condensed what happened in 2017. Uh, yeah, we had just happened. We were all there. Right. We have the Women's March. Charlottesville happened. Deadliest mass shooting in the United States history happened in Las Vegas. 60 were killed, 186 wounded. And Disney bought 20th Century Fox, which is interesting for this movie because it's a 20th Century Fox film, but you can watch it on Disney Plus, and that is why. Yes. Hmm. All right, the top five movies were Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Despicable Me 3, The Fate of the Furious, Beauty and the Beast, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, the Academy Award nominees were three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, the Post, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Get Out, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Call Me By Your Name, and the Best Picture winner for this year was The Shape of Water. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So we should have seen it all coming. I mean, <laughs> it was well, going downhill then. We were already in the midst of it. It already started going downhill. So my nerd alerts are basically about PT, Phineas Taylor Barnum. He was an American showman, businessman, and politician. He's remembered for, for promoting celebrated hoaxes and founding 
Barnum and Bailey Circus, which ran from 1871 to 2017. It actually closed. Huh? Like, wow, like until 2017. Exactly. And at that point, really only because of the animal abuse. Yes, yes. (laughs) Exactly. He was an author, publisher, and philanthropist, though he said of himself, quote, I am a showman by profession, and all the gilding shall make nothing else of me. According to his critics, his personal aim was to, quote, put money into his own coffers. Mm-hmm. He's widely credited with the adage, there's a sucker born every minute, although there's no proof that can actually be found of him saying it. It's probably one of his rivals said it about him, because um, P.T. Barnum, he knew who was lying in his pockets, and so he didn't look at his patrons as suckers, but as participants in pranks and hoaxes saying, quote, people like to be humbugged. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's all a matter of perspective. These aren't suckers. These are my patrons. Look at the smiles on their faces. He, Contrary to what this movie depicts, he did not get into the circus business until he was in his 60s. His museum, uh, that, was, that was his bread and butter, and it was his museum. It burned down twice. Twice. Yeah, kind of. of, of, There's a lot of fire that that goes on in the uh, in the around the edges of this. It kind of makes you wonder. Oh, maybe there is a divine being after all. (laughs) He was partners with James Bailey in 1881. Which, why was it? Okay, okay, I'll get to that later. Um, Jumbo was the famous African elephant. That is actually the mascot of Tufts University, which is the alma mater of one Elaine Bennis. Yes, <laughs> that's a fictional character. But that's what, when I think of Tufts, I think of Elaine. I yeah. do too. It was her all, uh, her safe school, right? Her, <laughs> yeah. her I have more school. on Jumbo. Oh, okay. Take it away. I have, I have a little more as well. Do you have the end of Jumbo? Um, uh, I'll let you do the end of Jumbo. Okay. Um, you can take that part, (laughs) but he was originally from, he was an elephant and he was like the sweet elephant, you know, he gave rides to Winston Churchill and Theodore Roosevelt. Apparently they wrote him. Um, but when he started to get to sexual maturity, they couldn't control him anymore. And... (laughs) You didn't know where that was going, did you? Uh, (laughs) So they were going to shoot him. But then P.T. Barnum was like, I'll buy him. So he bought him for $10,000. My God, back then. Back then, which is $345,121.09 today. Which is also, I wrote that down because that's also how much he bought the museum for. That was the loan he had. Um, That nine cents is important on the end. Um, (laughs) And he, so he bought Jumbo for $10,000. And I got mad at the article that I read because they tried to say Barnum was not a bad elephant keeper. True, his elephants were abused, but there was no other way of keeping an elephant in line. So then doesn't that inherently make you a bad elephant keeper if you're an elephant keeper at all? Um, And they would use, to keep them in line, they use sledgehammers and spears and pointed hooks. Because the elephant hide is two inches thick, so you need something that will penetrate. 
However, elephants are so sensitive that they can feel a fly land on their hide. So they, they basically they suffer extreme pain and then it crushes yeah. their will to go on. Um, and I'm not going to, uh, before you get to the end of Jumbo, uh, I thought it was interesting that this elephant is what made the term Jumbo mean mm -hmm. something large. It no, didn't originally mean that. They think that it could have been, so there's a Swahili name for chief, I, Jumbe, J-U-M-B-E. And then there was also a Swahili greeting, Jumbo. Um, and then in the beginning of the 19th century, there was a term Jumbo for unwieldy racehorses. But since Jumbo was the name of the elephant and he was supposedly the biggest elephant in, in the world, um, that part like that created the word in America for something large. Hmm. And thank God for Jumbo for my Jumbo Diet Cokes. There you go. And shrimp. And then I'll let you do the depressing part. Okay, but before we get to the depressing part, so Jumbo was, he was the mascot of, you know, Barnum had dolls and stuff, like every, so everybody knew about Jumbo. Of course, this is in the time before, uh, before a lot of people even saw or had personal pictures, I'm guessing. So when yeah. they said this Can is the biggest seeing elephant, an elephant, yeah, right, this is right. mind blowing. You yeah, know? it would oh have to God. be. So, uh, all right. In 1885, Jumbo was accidentally struck and killed by a freight train during an Ontario performance. I don't understand. You got a train. You got a big elephant. I don't. I don't know get, how that happened. I don't get how that just accidentally happened. No, I guess that I guess this is but why honestly, to... it's probably better off for him that that's how he went out. I mean, let's think about it. Elephant super sensitive. You just said it crushed their will. Yeah. To go met... Oh, my God. He did it himself. Hey, Good for you, Jumbo. and what happened to that freight train? I mean, it had to be yeah. matchsticks. Well, that's not the end of Jumbo because P.T. Barnum had his hide stuff. Of course. How is he able to if the freight train, like, I, I don't know. Um, so I'm sure he, so he had his hide stuffed and then it was later donated to Tufts University. <laughs> and then in Tufts <laughs> University, so they had like, you know, that's where it was. But then that burned down in 1975. Oh my in God. In a fire. Wow. So it like fire just kind of follows this Barnum again. It's almost like there's somebody upstairs going, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. Also, Aww. Jumbo was the inspiration for Dumbo. I was, that was my question. Oh, Dumbo, the saddest mm. movie of yeah. all time. Jeez. Okay. So you only I know that because I taped over your brother's first steps so that you could watch Dumbo. Well, we'll never know how we'll never know how Adam's story ended. <laughs> did he or did he not learn to walk? <laughs> he just crawls back. <laughs> I do. I guess my not. first ones weren't on tape, so there was no point in continuing. Um. Okay. The Brooklyn Bridge in 1883. It was completed, 
and rumors swirled around it that it was unsound, that it wasn't safe. And so at one point there was a, um, and so PT Barnum, because imagine that, that there's a, a new thing that comes out and there's all these rumors around it that it's unsafe. Where have we heard that? Can we, who could relate to such things? Um, so PT Barnum was like, Hey, if you give me, what did he say? $5,000. I'll have all my elephants and all my crew walk over the bridge and prove that it's safe. And the bridge people were like, nah, 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 we're good. We're good. So they opened the bridge. Please don't take elephants on it. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So they opened the bridge up. All these people come on it. Then there becomes a rumor through, through all the people on the bridge that the bridge is collapsing. It's unsafe, Uh which causes a stampede. (gasps) And yeah, do- like a dozen people died in oh this. Oh my god! But it was, but it was fine, right? More yeah, fake news. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. And so there was a stampede. Dozens died. So then the owners who had turned down the five thousand dollar offer. Now it's then, a ten thousand dollar offer. Then they went back to PT Barnum, and he paraded everybody across it to show that the Brooklyn Bridge was completely safe. Just makes me wonder who started this stampede. Not, I'm not saying, I'm not pointing any fingers. It's merely a question I am lobbying out there. There you go. Because the answer to every question, as we know, is money. So I'll let everyone else draw their own conclusions to that. I'm just saying. Um, um, uh, there... Speaking of the Brooklyn Bridge, they're proposing um, they're finally going to get its own bike lanes. Wow. Mm-hmm. They, like, right now, it's like, if you go, it's like, not go with people. Like, there's pedestrians, and oh, so yeah. it's a, a big project they're going to do. Good on you. So let's get some elephants on there and make sure it's safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're handlers. Freak show across the bridge. Exactly, because, you know, if if they end up in the river... Oh well. Um, so he when he uh, he took a turn into um, became political, but before that he was big into prohibition. As Maja sips on her gin and tonic, <laughs> gin gimlet. Excuse me, I have the gin and tonic. Yeah, yeah, he was he was really against alcohol. So uh, another Lord, red flag. More red flag. Interesting. And you would think he'd want everybody liquored up to come see his show. Nah, he went out taking money, talking about the evils of alcohol. Meanwhile, this motherfucker owned another person and took out all her teeth and had her body publicly autopsied. So, okay. In 1865, he won a seat in the Connecticut General Assembly as a Republican. Now, remember, in those times, the Republicans, that was the party of Lincoln. Um. And so he kind of just uh, forgot and omitted that he owned a person, Joyce Heth. And I forgot about that. Yeah, he just became an impassioned advocate of African-American equality and voting rights just uh, all of a sudden. Um, But he is perhaps almost equally as famous for banning all forms of contraception. So he's a real this dick. <laughs> he's a fuck boy. He's in the fuck boy Hall of Fame pantheon. Um, he ended up losing a congressional race. And then he was at one point the mayor of Bridgepoint, Connecticut. And that's my nerd alerts on 
Fuck boy, P.T. Barnum. I don't and know. He, he might be number one right now. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson. Well, actually. There's always Wood. There's always anybody, Woody. Does anybody else have any nerd alerts? or? Okay. So I could have done a million nerd alerts just because, just based on the people involved in the said so-called freak show. But there was one woman that stood out to me, and that was the bearded lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and her name was Annie Jones. Well, there were a couple, but the original bearded lady, I believe, is Annie Jones. Um, and she was born in Virginia in 1865. Woo-hoo. And she... Um, exited her mother's womb with her chin already covered in hair. So at first her parents were like, holy, what? Holy shit. And then they, like she had facial hair, that of a full grown man, apparently, um, when she was born, but she wasn't even a year old when they pushed her into P.T. Barnum's exhibit in New York City. Yeah. And she She, was mm -hmm. billed as the infant Esau. Is that how you saw it? E-S-A-U, which is a reference to right. the hairy brother of Jacob in the Old Testament. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and she, like, was such a hit, I guess, yeah. in show business that they, um, it was such a popular attraction that Barnum offered her mother a three-year contract at a rate of $150. I didn't do the math on that, but um, of what that would be now. But as time went on, obviously, like, she grew up and became the bearded lady. Um, And along the way, she appealed to audiences by playing up her womanly aspects in contrast to her facial hair. So she would dress in, like, fashionable feminine clothing. She learned how to play the mandolin. um, And she was one of, like, the most memorable acts of Barnum's show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still unknown what caused her condition, although it's very likely something called hirsutism, which is a condition that causes coarse hairs in females and male-like distribution um, and affects 5 to 10% of women. Um, She was probably the most famous bearded lady of the era, but not the only one. There was another woman named Julia Pastrana who was born in 1834. She was a Mexican woman whose body was nearly entirely covered in thick, dark hair, and she was um, called the ape woman. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Um... She was like a minor celebrity of the Victorian age. She toured Europe. She wasn't involved in Barnum, but um, after she died, they she kept touring Europe as a mummified specimen. Oh my god! Uh huh. Um, so back to Annie Jones. She married a man who was a sideshow barker. So the guy who shouts to get people to come in to see the show in 1880 but she was only 15 and he was a full-grown man mm. um well teeny, she did start at nine months like, well yeah so like she's only 15 but like months. she's an adult you know yeah that's, but, and that's all she's known mm-hmm. you're a nine month old baby look at yeah. a nine month old and you're on and you've exhibit. been in a circus the whole life mm-hmm. and uh but her parents didn't approve of the marriage. Um, but they they were married for 15 years 
and they divorced in 1895, which is like, I wonder what happened. Like, yeah. what, you know? Um, and then she got married again and they decided to travel as a, like as an act together. Um, but he unexpectedly passed away. Um, and then instead of continuing on her own, she ended up coming back to P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth because that's all she knew since nine mm-hmm. months old. Um, however, even though she, like, all of her, quote, fame and fortune, I'm sure she wasn't rich, um, was due to her being called a freak, She, when she came back to the show, she was very vocal um, and wanted, like, campaigned against people calling them freaks. Um, so she was like one of the first people to like stand out to be like, no, like don't call us freaks. Yeah. Um, but her. before she could really make that much of a difference in it, she passed away of tuberculosis at age 37. Jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So what Annie Jones. Life. I know. A, an advocate. And it's like one of those, like, yeah, you like even, I think a lot of the, I listened to a podcast called something b-o-a-t i'll figure out the name of the podcast i listen to um and one of the things like he it made me i liked the podcast but he was talking about like oh back he was one of those people that tried to say like oh because back then like you know like excusing things for being back in the day mm-hmm. but like she's 37 like she, she it's these people weren't happy to be billed as freaks. It's just the they only knew way they... it was wrong. Yeah, they yeah. knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was people with the Joyce Heth thing who were writing about it, saying how wrong it was. Mm-hmm. You know, just the way that there was abolitionists and talking about slavery. Yeah. Just like how um, <laughs> we're celebrating the 4th of July, and one of the reasons why we're celebrating the 4th of July and America's independence because the South got behind it because England had already, uh, you know, they knew that the writing was on the wall and that England was going to get rid of slavery. Mm-hmm. And and how did the ragtag group of Americans uh, afford the war for the revolution? Took out loans. What do you put up for collateral for loans? So, you know, the people it's there. You yeah. The things that you own, the property that you own. Right. And if you're in America, the property that you own, we were in the South, it was your workforce that you did not have to pay. So, all right. Are we too... We are too reheatables. Oh, yes. Nice. Negatives. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Sure. Okay. I'm sure I can cross off all of mine when you have finished. (laughs) Well, we've already said it, but this is the negative reheatable. It's just the the playing real fast and loose with history, making P.T. Barnum such a sympathetic character. There's no mention of the Civil War. Again, this is a great and fantastic movie, but why are you making me do so much work here? Now now you've made it complicated for me. Y'all, nobody heard of Dreamgirls? Like, there's a way to do Uh, this and keep it fun for everyone. But yeah. no, I, b- I believe ego came into it. With yeah, it, well, because they because I think that even though you know you look at the cast and the people behind it and they have their hearts in the right place, I would assume and would like to believe, um, there is still that blind spot of 
But I, I, I'm able to look past it. Obviously, Hugh Jackman read dozens, like I think three dozen books on P.T. Barnum. Well, and was able, on him. was able to uh, compartmentalize who he was playing, the man that he was playing in a way to give a performance. Um, but you've just made me now do a whole bunch of extra. I, I watched the movie and I thought it was really fun. Then I went and did research on who this P.T. Barnum yeah, was. Same. And now I'm like, fuck, what the fuck? What in the actual fuck? But okay, um, the circus. Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, I remember I went to see the circus in Germany, and that was the first time I had kettle corn, the sweet popcorn, and it changed my life. And now circuses, it's like the it's like zoos. As a kid, when you you get to see mm-hmm. the animals, and you're just like full of wonder. And then when you get to be an adult, it's just at least for me, it's just this sadness. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, but at least I feel like there are zoos where they're taking that into account and they try to make the great habitats. Like, I would like to go to the San Diego Zoo. Yeah. To, and I think just the Bronx Zoo, the Bronx Zoo is really good. Um, yeah. and like also, like, and then, but then we also have Cirque du Soleil, and I know that there's probably, you know, issues with that. It's not like 100%, but at least. It seems, look at the acrobatics and, like, maybe a more humane way to Yeah, to see. they don't have animals that they... Yeah, I mean, I think even by the time the, Sir, like, Barnum and Bailey's left, it's not like they had freak shows happening and mm-hmm. they, you know, I think it was more about, like, holy shit, look at what these people can do. It's more yeah. about trapeze and acrobatics and... But that's, you know, people can see that anywhere now. I don't know. I think, like, as it, that became more accessible, like, you have to put on a show. Like, people don't want to see animals in cages now. I think Cirque du Soleil is probably mm-hmm. something fun that came from this mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. But don't um, ask Adam. He'll be a funny boring. The balance of giving people fun you know, showing them fun. But then there's also the greedy fraud of doing anything to make a buck. Because mm-hmm. this movie is very much in the camp of P.T. Barnum is just giving smiles to people and making them feel good. and But then there's also the other side of it of like, this guy is just like, like he's making money and he's figuring out a way mm-hmm. to make money and get money and yeah. give the people and they're willing to pay. So that's interesting. Uh, child abuse. We had slapping boys. We already mentioned the bearded lady was nine months old. Um, Charles Stratton, who is General Tom Thumb, he was four years old when mm-hmm. he got into the circus. Um, and then I had African elephant in the snow. So I Googled it. And Google said that cold weather itself doesn't pose an insurmountable barrier to elephants. Oh. Because I thought it was kind of messed up when at the end of the movie, P.T. Barnum rides up on an African elephant, you know, which, by the way, he's going to his his daughter's thing to make it like, oh, I'm here to see you. It's not all about me riding yeah, up in an elephant. elephant in the snow in New York City. But yeah, that cold isn't an insurmountable obstacle to elephants. So okay, have you oh. seen that group of al- of aliens, elephants? Who <laughs> there's probably a group of aliens doing this too. The group of elephants in China. 
the family of elephants that are oh. roaming. Oh my God. There's a family of elephants. I think there's 15 of them. And nobody knows why they're moving. Like they're migrating somewhere. Um, they no, they might know something. Yeah. Well, yeah. But they've, they left in March, t- 2020, I think. Um, and there's a, a herd of 15. They've wandered 300 miles from their home in a nature reserve. And they've got like, um, all these people, like they've got protection 24 hours at this point. People are like, they're following them. They're following them with drones. Um, and they're, you know, A, trying to protect them, but B, they're trying to steer them away from towns because oh. they're, like, destroying everything they I'll come bet. across. Like, when they come, like, they're raiding crops, they're looking for food in small towns, and they're, like, fucking shit up. I love um, it. They got some... zero fucks. <laughs> yeah, they're it's... looking for fucks. These elephants <laughs> are out here looking for fucks. And some... they, cause they got none. Have may have gotten drunk on fermented grain. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But originally when they started, there were 16 of them, but one of the males like was like, fuck off, I'm doing my own thing. And he left. Um, So he's like 15 miles away from the rest of them. But he couldn't take those women. (laughs) So, but there's like, you know, now they're trying to, they're also trying to, they're trying to make sure they don't fuck shit up, but they like, they know as soon as, I mean, elephants can be dangerous. If they step yeah. on a person, then they're dead. And they're like, as soon as there's an elephant-human confrontation, that's when, like, the vibe towards these elephants is going to change and exactly. people are going to want to shoot them. And, mm-hmm. um, and you said they're in China? Yeah. They can disappear. They'll just get welded. They'll get welded shut. <laughs> yeah, so now they're using, like, food bait to try to get them. They had to prepare four tons of food Jeez. and to try to get them to go, like, a different way. Um, but there was like, I don't know, they were on CNN a few weeks ago and there was a really cute video of, they were all taking a nap and the, like the baby had gotten like stuck underneath one of them and had to like pop out and they're so good, but they're, they're, they're really adorable. I'll send you this picture of them. It looks like they're dead, but don't worry. They're not. They're just sleeping. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. I um, like that. Yeah, they're really cute. They're just like, we're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> my last my, gra- my, my grandma collected elephants. Not real ones. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just elephant things. You know, like, you have zebras. She had elephants. Yeah. Yeah. Not real ones. Just like if you bought her something, you'd be like, here's yeah. something with an elephant right. on it, you know? Right. Oh, man, that does look comfy. They look like me. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping. <laughs> Sorry, continue with your negatives. My I last... turned that into a positive elephant. But... <laughs> I know. <laughs> so My last negative reheatable is, okay, it just, it, it, uh, it was just infuriating because you're like, all right, this is a, it's P.T. Barnum. But then... The guy that Zach Efron's character, he plays Philip. Why wasn't he James Bailey? Okay. I, I didn't realize. I thought he was Bailey the whole time until I listened to something today and I was like, wait, he didn't end up being Bailey? No. It, does, so, it doesn't make any really, issues with the story. There really was, whatever his character was, there really was that person. 
But then where did, what did Bailey, where did Bailey? No, I think from? this guy was a, was a fictional, was like a made up guy. Yeah, he was just a made up guy. He wasn't real. Neither was Zendaya. Yeah, she was made up as well. So maybe Bailey was even worse than Bloom. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I didn't Google Bailey's history. Jeez. Wow. Maybe. So those were my negative reheatables. Elsewhere? I'm gonna I'm gonna go now with my I didn't buy Michelle Williams in this part. I I I had never seen her in a musical before. Wait, you watched Fosse Verdin. You haven't seen Chicago? No, that's Renee Zellweger. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. You're right. Uh, I did watch Fo- Fosse Verdin, and I did buy her in Fosse Verdin, but she had I, short hair. This goes to the teeny, maybe. I I don't know. Oh, it God, just wasn't. Is not Renee Zellweger. No, she's not, and she's not Carrie Mulligan either. She's not. Did and any she's... of you all watch? What was that? Like the? What was it by the sea? Manchester by the sea? Yes. Yeah. Because she just delivers a, oh, man, that was a just that scene of just like heartbreaking, crushing scene. Yeah, she's, yeah, because she's usually so good. And I just felt like I wasn't comfortable watching her in the role. It was like, to me, she wasn't comfortable doing the role. Like it was beneath her? No, just like she didn't tune into what it was or the role was there wasn't enough of a role for her to yeah i thought that it was it was just a thankless role exactly yeah i mean i mean yeah because her whole thing is like oh and she has i have it in quotables it's like oh we did everything together and it's like you all did nothing together no went off and did everything and you were at home keeping everything together i just thought that it was it, it was um it was just a uh it, it seemed like it was a uh, because you know she i don't know if this had anything to do with it but she is married to the director of hamilton like the guy who directed hamilton oh they're married in real life and i did wonder if this was you know because she's a she's a big name and yeah. if this was kind of a yeah. thing of like oh i'll do this you know i don't know yeah, I don't either. But it, it was it was a thankless role. I agree. So I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, Michelle Williams is in this? But then you see yeah. the role and it's like, eh. And I just came up with another one. I have it written down somewhere. Um, the person who played Jenny Lind. Rebecca she, Ferguson. She had to be dubbed. Yes. In this day and age, there are plenty of people who could sing and play that role. Here's the thing. That's I have that in a. T- I believe it's in one of my tasty nuggets. So in real life, the Swedish Nightingale. I believe that's who Jenny mm-hmm. Lind was. She was a soprano. So, but she was. This, I thought she was an opera singer. Yeah, she was. Yeah. But in order, so this is that thing that I think that this movie really rubs up against because she's an opera singer and she's a soprano. That's not gonna make the kids. No, it's not. You know, that's, you're not gonna get his audience. Right. It's not the the voice. You, the voice isn't an opera singer singing soprano. So they needed. 
So in this movie, I think she's like an like the uh, I have the woman who sings it, Lauren Allred. She was on The Voice 2012. She was the singing voice that was used, and I believe she's like an alto. She's mm. anyway. She's not a soprano, is what I'm saying. And the real life Jenny Lind was a soprano. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson studied music and can carry a tune. But if it's we're talking about the Swedish Nightingale and she's supposed to wow people with a, a showstopper, she's like, that's not me. But when they film that scene, Rebecca Ferguson really is singing to she's singing to the the audience and the people around, right. but then it was dubbed in. I, I I just have a problem with them. Just get somebody who can actually sing. But that's the, but that's the, that's that's what we have run up with the movies. That's what mm-hmm. Gone with the Bushes always runs up in is because you need to you need to put somebody in the movie who people recognize and know. Oh, I've seen that person before. Like that's yeah. the that's the shitty part that we always run up against. Okay. Well, those are mine uh, as well as animals in a circus and all of that. Okay, teeny negative reheatables. Um, the wishing machine, like, don't tell your kids that any wish they have is going to come true. I don't know. No. Maybe that's, I grew up knowing that, like, not everybody's a winner. Like, it's just not going to have, my elementary school, the motto was everybody's a winner. And I just remember very clearly at a young age, my dad just told me, no, everyone's not a winner. And not everyone's going to succeed in life. And that's just the harsh reality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And thinking that you can be whatever you want to be is not true. Sorry. Um, no, this movie—I <laughs> mean, it's... it does that. It says, "Here's this young man. He's he comes from nothing, and he can create this world of of wonder." Yeah, um, that can happen, but most times it doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, you want to know something? That I just remember off the top of my dome. So when I was doing the nerd alerts, you know that the guy that's the foil in this, the newspaper man, uh-huh. he's the sour, I think it's the New York Herald. He's based on a real life character. In real life, that guy was an immigrant, uh, came over from Europe, had nothing, started the New York Herald as just a, uh, like a four page thing. At one time, it had the biggest circulation in the entire world. Wow. Damn. Yeah, but... But in this movie, he's and he was one of the people who were like, what the fuck are you doing with Joyce Heth? But, you know, yeah. like calling yeah. him out on it. But then in this movie, he's the dour. He's uh, the bad guy. Yeah, the dour really, bad he was guy. doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being a journalist, spreading the real facts, spreading the facts. Yeah, but then the, the dangerous thing is at the end of this movie, they got, that character comes around to P.T. Right. Barnum's side. And it's right. like... Yo, are the inmates running the asylum? Like, this movie is all over the place. And I should say, when I say not everybody's a winner, I don't mean in your own right. Like, but I feel like when we perpetuate that kind of thing with kids and, like, if you wish on this, it's like, you're trying to spread the thing that, like, oh, being this type, having this type of job isn't good enough. And I think that's where we are now. It's like, okay, being, like, in the service industry isn't good enough or if you right. work like retail you're not good enough and it's like you're taught that you have to be these like crazy things so then now people are never happy until because they're not 
Right. They get tying, to a certain stature or yeah. right. You're if tying you're, your happiness to monetary things yeah. and and, mon and societal things, and that's why I mean, yeah. look, Eckhart Tolle has a podcast on, sure spot, on all these things. Like you can you can go and get into that and like have your mind all expanded. Right, I'm listen to that one. So, yeah, really, it's excellent because if you're a young athlete, I I have a student i had a student in second grade he's now going into seventh grade he's a great swimmer everything on facebook is he's going to the olympics he's going to be an olympian well that's setting him up to um there's so much that's out of his right. control right what if he tears his labrum right yeah. or or what if, what if he stops he... enjoying it or what if he's right. just not good enough yeah. Or what if he wins, uh, you know, his high school, um, he sets a record for his high school and that's as far as he goes. That's great. Look what yeah. you did. And now, now what do you want to do? Yeah. You don't have to go to the Olympics. You don't have to be in the NFL, NBA. You, I yeah. mean, you, you don't have to set your sights on the very highest thing. Right. You can attain happiness. Like happiness comes from within and it is not attached to anything monetary like monetary makes things certainly makes things easier in life of course i'm not saying that at all but there is the things that we have been taught and we have been taught that for a reason and the mm -hmm. reason is money because people right. need to sell happiness you need to buy this in order to be happy and once you kind of start looking at the game that's being played on you, then you can you can remove yourself from it, and it's yeah. it's going on all around you. But and then you know that's why it's then they take words and they use it against you like woke because you woke up to what is going on, but now that's a that's a four letter word woke oh, but. Th there's a reason why they're making it like that. So yeah. there, there are things that you can do and places that point to. And when you get into it, you see all of the things. Like if you're super into Christianity, you'll see the things that Jesus was really pointing to. And it is in line with all of that. Like all these other bullshit rules, look into who made those up. Yeah. And then look into what look into who saying. wrote the bible yeah. and all of the and you'll right. see in all of the religions all the things that are the same and try to then get into that oh eckhart Tolle, he go listen to him yeah i forget which episode it is but he was talking about people who win the lottery majority of them end up without the money and more unhappy than they were before they won the lottery i mean you look at you also a plug Hulu, Summer of Soul, the Harlem Cultural Festival, Questlove made a documentary about it. The same year that Woodstock happened, there was this cultural festival that also happened in Harlem. Didn't know anything about it because for 50 years, the film was stuck in a basement. Wow. Because when it came out, people were like, oh, I filmed this. It's like the Black Woodstock, and it was crickets. And for 50 years... Nobody saw that it existed. And then it's on Hulu now. I recommend watching it because you're like, oh, are you kidding me? Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder, Mavis Staples, B.B. King, Nina Simone. And it's just now coming to light that you see this? Yeah, but that happened. And that was kept. 
That was kept from us for 50 years. Teeny negative. I don't know how we got there, but here we are. Back to uh, <laughs> zebras driving the horse and carriage. I mean, they didn't look like zebras. Didn't they look like horses that were painted? Well, I don't know. They looked, I don't know. I don't have my glasses on. They looked like, uh, that's what basically, don't zebras look like horses that were painted anyway? Well, they're, yeah. they're smaller in stature. I don't know. I They just. I did Google it. So, because I actually did have it in my reheatables as the. And you're positive? Oh my God! I yeah, did reheat mine. Yes. It's only because this is straight up because of my upbringing of yes. zebras and how important zebras were to my family <laughs> like and you wanted to be abused and carry people around to your mother it wasn't your father but. no it was more of like oh my god there they are zebra it was the child like of like yeah. there's a of, zebra of there's a z like i'm also like finishing up the count of monte cristo so to think of like having zebras because they look just in the childlike thing of like zebras look like horses instead of horses because we love zebras putting zebras in instead recasting horses as zebras and zebras are what's pulling me that made my little child aaron just <laughs> and the, so the reason happy. that that we that we even got into the whole zebra thing was because you were going into kindergarten and I knew that somebody would say something to you about your unusual parents. Uh, you know, like Adam, I was on a field trip with him in first grade and a little uh, first grader said to me, why are you with him? And I said, because I'm his mother. And the little kid said, you can't be his mother. He's black. And I said, oh, honey, if you think he's funny, you should see his daddy. <laughs> but my whole thing was make it fun. We're the zebra family. You know, mm -hmm. your daddy's black, I'm white. You guys are, are a mix of that. So let's just have fun with it. That's the way that the zebras became part of our our family culture. Well, that's why I had it in my negative reheatable. But it, it is because I Googled it. Horses have undergone domestication, unlike zebras, which are very wild and aggressive. <laughs> Damn straight. You know what? They have tattoos on their hands. Uh -huh. the zebras are going around looking for fossils. I almost said, oh my God, really? <laughs> um, that made me think of one time we were at the mall and this it was like a field trip happening uh, of like first graders probably and this kid just looked at adam and goes that guy looks like my dad <laughs> <laughs> and then just walked away i uh i worked you, with did you look at adam and be like yeah oh, is there uh -oh. anything you'd like to say <laughs> yeah. when was the last time you saw your dad <laughs> um i worked with uh a wonderful teacher, African-American, her husband's African-American. They were sitting in the doctor's office one time and her son was about a first grader, maybe a little younger. And another African-American family walked in. <laughs> you went over and said, my dad's black too. <laughs> yeah, kids are the darnest thing. Like when, so then when, when kids, because of that zebra thing, when kids came up to me and called me like an Oreo, I was like, hell yeah. 
And so I would, I'd be like, I love Oreos. That's like the most penguins. delicious cookie there is. Yeah, anything that they would call me, I would be like, <laughs> and, yeah. I, mean, they, I was like the weirdo in school because of it, because they were like, I thought that was going to hurt your feelings. And I'm like, hey, Snow Leopard? Hell yeah. What else you got? That's me. That's <laughs> exactly. And that was the whole point of it. Like, Make it fun. Make it yeah. something you can be proud of. And, and then it's not going to hurt when people say stupidness. Yep. Um, I was a little upset that they introduced Dog Boy and then just kind of like didn't incorporate him again until at the all, end. At all, at like, all, yeah. He had a lot more potential there. Um, wanting to be more than you are, which we already talked about. And those are my negatives. I have one more negative. Okay. I feel like Zendaya was underused. Zendaya. Zendaya was underused. Of course she's underused. Are you kidding me? He's the whole trapeze scene? Now that trapeze oh, thing is on my positives. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but but Zendaya is a generational talent. I mean, we keep saying this. Yeah. So they were lucky to honestly they were lucky that oh, yeah. do this oh, yeah. film. That's why but I felt she should be in it more. Of course. When when you're looking at it's just you know. I, I'm sure I, I don't know. know. I had the opposite well not I love her. But I wanted to see more. I don't know. I didn't like how much of a love story it ended up to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you do have Zendaya and Zac Efron. That's... Yeah, I just thought that was a little like. Because look at the look at the uh, box office that they were. Like we're trying about. to talk about a, like a thing with like freak shows, and then you're going to use these two people who are like two of the most beautiful people on earth. Exactly. To be like, Here's a... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but we do like looking at pretty people. I mean, <laughs> that is. That is basically. Did, you say, did you say to the kid at the moment, really? Your dad is that pretty? <laughs> <laughs> we are to our positive reheatables. I have one. Um, we didn't see any snakes. I kept waiting for snakes. Oh, yeah. Wow. You're right. Very happy oh. with no snakes. Oh, yeah. And uh, the ocean, the ocean scene was beautiful. Ocean. I had, you know, the ballet at the very end, the mm. sister who was the tree. Yeah. Very, very Eckhart Tolle being <laughs> oh, so perfectly be happy to be yeah. the tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's be happy to be the tree. And I really liked, um, okay, so Zendaya and Zac Efron's whole romantic uh, musical Trapeze. number. Yes. But the time that he is coming at her and she just pulls the rope and goes straight up away from him. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. that. What you thought. Yeah. Other positives. I liked the bar where I just wrote the bar where he takes Zac Efron. I'm guessing. Yeah. Bottom. That, that was great choreography with doing all the shots. That yes. scene. Yeah. It was. Yeah, very, oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of good. the dancing was very Hamilton esque to me it reminded me a lot of Hamilton yeah um but I liked the bar and that's when I had to google when photography was invented because there was a lot of pictures on the wall um (laughs) and I did also like I mean I just wrote trapeze in general um but there's a whole article on MTV news where Zendaya and Zac Efron break down their trapeze duet. I won't read it to you, but I um, recommend it. 
Oh, I'll look it okay. up. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Is mm-hmm. that it? It was good. I'm sure it was mostly stunt doubles, but yeah, there was. Um, but she had some ideas. Like Zendaya played a big song. Like she changed some of the song comp- song composition. Oh wow! Um, and she said, um, "Rewrite the stars just wasn't working." Um, she said, seeing as the number directly follows an emotionally heavy scene between Anne and Philip, Gracie didn't want the moment to immediately transition into song. He wanted it to linger. So Zendaya suggested starting with a bit of acapella. And she was like, why does there have to be music? And we were like, well, there has to be music. It's a song. And so then whatever. So she helped do that. And then they said at the end, they said, so we looked at Zendaya and we were like, you're the queen of all things. You should be doing our jobs too. Yes. yes. Agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Give her her props. Yep. I mean, honestly, Zendaya probably knew that it shouldn't be P.T. Barnum. It should have just been a fictional yeah. character. She, like, Fuck, yeah, I she already knows that. Role. Yeah. You know, I, hey, I'm cashing this check. I'm doing the best I can to represent the culture. Okay. Right, for me, Yep. I have 20th Century Fox. Because yeah. you know it got sold off, and so probably the la- one of the last times we'll see that. The United States Postal Service, how he was when he was a poor street kid, he just how he continued to talk with charity, and he would just slip in the mm-hmm. letters. There, so there was a, such a thing back then as general delivery, and wherever you went. It would just have your name, general delivery, the city, state, and zip. And then you could go to the post office and pick up your mail. Like people sleep on how awesome and amazing the United States Postal Service was and really is. They you could send you could send people through the mail. People like like if I wanted you to go visit your grandma, I could have back then sent you through the mail. Well, but back then I would have been a crime, so... <laughs> well, Christine, your mom... Could have <laughs> yeah, I could have gone through the mail. Yeah. No problem. Y'all two, y'all two could have done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have... Okay, this is a thing that I love. Is It was the same in The Heights. You know, you're watching a movie, it's these two characters, and then they spontaneously bust out into song, which is great. But then they start doing the death-defying choreography. Mm-hmm. Like, when they're on the top of the the building, and yes. you know, Michelle Williams does the, uh-uh. like, she's going to leave yeah. and he grabs her. And and the, the same thing with, like, the trapeze. Zac Efron's character, he never been on a trapeze before, and all no. of a sudden he knows exactly how to catch her and stuff. I, I just love that stuff because I get caught up in it, but then there's also my literal mind that's like, exactly. this is hilarious. Right. Like, right. I, this could I, never I, really happen. Yeah, like in real life, it would be like, wait, I didn't... Why did you do that? <laughs> Oops, <laughs> Why no did, net. You thought I was going to catch you? <laughs> so, I like that. Um... The old timey data entry, because I used to do data entry, and that's what Hugh Jackman was doing his job in the beginning yeah. of this was doing data entry. And I'm like, ah, the more things change, the, the more, more they stay, stay the, the same. same. 
That's hilarious. I already did the zebra the horses. Calling the queen sweetheart? Hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. And then this is for my ma. Moe. Thank you. Actually, it's my MVP. So <laughs> let's just put it out there right now. The champagne. I'm like, oh. It looked like it was White Star back in the day. White Probably Star. Probably would have been. So those are my good reheatables. Okay, we are to quotables. I only and have three. I, I have any. I have two. Okay, go ahead. Well, other than the one I already mentioned, you might as well get paid for it. Does it bother you that everything you're selling is fake? No. Not a bit. It, just as it didn't bother the past previous president. A man's station is limited by his imagination. Well, if you're a white man mm -hmm. in the United States, then your station is limited by your imagination. But uh, if you're anything other than that, it's limited by your skin color. Um, and gender at that time. Yeah. Uh, do their smiles look fake? That was P.T. Barnum. Uh, and, yeah. then I had, and I had the charity, as she said, like, we always did it together. And I was like, since when? What movie were you in, Charity? Yeah. And then, oh, this was, Charity's dad made me laugh out loud because he was like, she'll get tired of having nothing. Mm -hmm. I was like, that is a astute point, my main man. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've brought up before my friend of, of Indian descent who was a teacher, and she said, you know, I, I tried being middle class. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Christine, did we have yours already? Mm -hmm. So we are to LVP, uh, and I am anxiously awaiting. Ooh. Christine. Mine... Okay. My LVP is exploiting people via freak shows. Yes. And that as well. I figured most people did. But I think, like, there's a difference in if a group of people or, I don't know, go in something together and are like, hey, let's make some money off of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sucks that people would pay or whatever. But this is not that. This is. A normal Agreed. Agreed. white man being like, well, I'm going to look at how freaky these people are. I'm going to make some money off of them. When in reality, the people that were featured are fucking incredible. Yes. There is a man named Prince Randian. And this isn't all P.T. Barnum. I just was looking up. I read an article about like some of the people who were in freak shows or circuses and he was called the human worm he didn't have arms or legs mm -hmm. so he would perform at dime shows and theaters but despite his extreme disability he was profoundly self-sufficient he could roll his own cigarette light it with a match and shave himself damn i can't um, roll yeah he went on to father five children with his wife and he lived to be 63 which i Thought was pretty incredible yes. for being in the 1800s. Yes. Um, there was another That's a man. span for a quote yeah. normal person. 
There's a man called Carl Unthen, I believe is how you say it. And he performed under the guise of the armless fiddler because he didn't have arms, but he learned to play the violin with his feet. Feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was born in Prussia, and apparently the midwife who delivered him tried to smother him, but his father mm-hmm. saved him. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we already talked about the bearded lady. Um, but it's all the, like, most of the people that were featured in these are people who had just overcome these things that made them different from what we talked to, you know, we talked about the word normal last time, I think, but like Uh he, you know, they're all doing these incredible things that no, I mean, a lot of people with arms can't play the violin, Exactly. you know, exactly. But then, and then there was also, um, it was really popular for people who had kids with mental, differences um like microcephaly where your brain is underdeveloped these babies were often sold to freak shows so that they wouldn't be a burden to their parents hydrocephalus as well Mm -hmm. which is way too much uh liquid and then you have a bigger head than me Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i know wow is it wow is a comment that's zizzy baba luba And then just, I mean, the fact, like, it's like some things have changed, but then not at all. Like, you know, obviously, like, the tattooed woman, like, tattooed man was considered a freak. And that's... I have have more of him on in Tasty Nuggets. Oh, okay. There is a... There is a bit. Oh, boy. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Just the fact that this is how... I don't know, freak shows in general are my mm-hmm. OVP. However, my, however, there's the opposite side of that, of finding people that you fit in with and you're finding your, like we talked about with pride, like finding your own family and like your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like where you can just be yourself and you're just accepted. You have your own mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not going to look at you any differently because mm-hmm. of, Right. They have something going on too, you know? Yeah. Which in reality, we all do. Everybody so does. Be, be but careful yeah. who you're throwing stones at, at whom you are throwing stones. Right. Okay. So, um, I did my, oh, oh yeah. The help comment. The help. Well, that's yeah. A, the, that's the a, help comment, but it's all, it's, it's like doubly offensive because yeah. on one hand it's like, oh, you think that she's the help. On the other hand, it's like, this is the 1800s. They wouldn't have said like, she's the help, you no, know? Exactly. Like exactly. there, there would have been some N words tossed around mm-hmm. and like, you know, it's the, it's the, it, like the depiction of the sanitized depiction of how it was that is offensive because of how sanitized it is. And then there is the depiction of how it was that is also offensive. And I agree with uh, Christine exploitation. I have honorable mention for LVP is PT Barnum because he is a fuck yes. boy. Yes. 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 Yeah. But my real LVP is history. Because I have always really liked history, 
because it's a story and I like stories. And I was different amongst my peers in school and a lot of people that I know, like teeny, right? Like you're not into history. Boring. Exactly. I mean, you know, yes. This is my point. So it's boring. All the kids, like, they're like, oh, history's boring. Most of the people I know, they're like, oh, but you're into that kind of, you're into history. I think it's boring. This is why history is my LVP of this. Because the way that we are taught history, uh-huh. it is boring. Uh-huh. It is super boring. But real history, with all its complexity, is actually really, really interesting. Um, that's why I wish that P.T. Barnum was a fictional character because this movie made so much money that people are going to be like, ah, it's P.T. Barnum. But I hope because this movie, I hope it did well with the young kids that they are used to the internet and they will go on Wikipedia and they will Mm -hmm. read about P.T. Barnum because how interesting, even though it's a horrible, is Joyce Heth. How interesting is... Uh, the bearded woman who at nine months of age was out on the stage. Like how many times have we just tossed out a nerd alert where it's like, wait, what that happened? Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, a German guy flew a plane and landed it in the red square of Russia. What? Mm-hmm. Like, why did that happen? Real history is full of really awesome shit in the crown. A guy twice broke in to Buckingham Palace and was sat with the queen face to face. Like in her bedroom. History, in her bedroom. Real history is full of shit that if you were to write it down, people would say there's no way that that really happened. Real history is interesting as fuck. And th- that's why it's really sad that the history that we are taught is so oh well um, the americans came they, they you know columbus discovered america uh, we had thanksgiving uh then we decided that we didn't want to be taxed by the king yeah that shit is boring but look into it and google it real history is interest is more interesting and dynamic than most of the like it's like all, it's breaking bad level sopranos level shit yeah and we like you can look like the don't even get me started on the popes yeah. and all that shit. Well, just look at Hamilton. I mean, I re- yeah. uh, when he said to uh, President Obama, "Yeah, I'm gonna write a musical about Alexander Hamilton," and Obama was like, "Good luck with that." But it was fascinating. All these things that happened to this dude. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with some great choreography. Mm-hmm. MVP. I've already told you mine. Well, recap it. Moway. Oh, yeah. And my runner-up was uh, Zendaya going up, you know, the weights of the ropes taking her up. Zendaya, I totally apologize. Okay. I'm going to tell you mine, and then we're going to have to take a break because I'm going to have to send you something neat to watch so you can okay. see what I'm talking about. I wonder if we have the same – we might have the same MVP. Really? Is yours Alex Wong? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. My MVP is Alex Wong. And... Ah, oh, shit. I, I, did, I wanted to see what his... 
actual role is called in the movie because he was like an extra kind of. Um, he's ensemble ensemble dancer number two. Cool. But here's why he's my MVP. He's got, and this is what made me like kind of made me be interested in this movie. Um, he's like really popular on TikTok now. This isn't the moment. That'll come oh, later. Okay, okay, um, getting our tissues ready. <laughs> he's really popular on TikTok now, and I'll send you the video. Um, but he was a dancer. He used to choreograph dances when he was a kid. Um, and his parents like saw that he loved dancing and wanted asked him if he wanted to dance, but he was like, no, dancing's for girls. Like he said that, like that was his impression. So then his parents, but they saw how much he loved to dance and they were like, look, you just have to, we're going to take you to one dance class. And if you hate it, then you don't have to dance anymore. Um, But he agreed to go and then the rest is history. And he was, he became kind of famous when he was on. So you think you can dance. Um, But then he's also been on, he, was like really good, but then he injured his Achilles. Ooh. So on during the filming of that, so he had to drop out. But he's been on Glee. Um, he was in Newsies on Broadway. Mm. Um, and now he's in this. I'll send you the video in a second. But he's also spoke out in March because he's an Asian dancer, and he was like. He's always like filming TikToks around the city. He lives in New York City. Um, and he was like riding a city bike one day and a group of teenagers started throwing rocks at him. And he was like, well, yeah. And he was like, you know, at the time I didn't know. Like, I don't, he was like, I don't know if this is it or not, but like he spoke out against it because it was when a bunch of anti-Asian hate crimes were going on. And that's also part of the, 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 just how abhorrent and stuff that is, is because you don't know like, is yeah. it because of that? Like, because you don't know if it is or not, but it could be, and it probably uh, is. Right. And he was on the news. He's like, I don't know. Had it been a thing that day to like target all Asians? I don't know. But um, if I don't speak out, like, what if my mom gets pelted with rocks or an older person? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But can you pause it real quick and I can send you this for you to watch? Okay, so if you don't already, you can follow Alex Wong on TikTok. <laughs> he, I don't know, he just spreads joy. Yes. He's just yes. so like, like there's a, so there, what I sent, there's a girl and one of the ones, it's a girl and she, she was filming, like, there became a really popular TikTok dance for the one not from now on song and people were doing it on TikTok. So she's filming herself dancing to it, out, like just in the streets in New York City outside of Broadway. And he sees her dancing and he just like surprises her and starts doing the dance with her. Can you imagine? And he, and he just like I mean, you're just yeah. out there dancing and a, and an original cast member comes I out know. and starts dancing. And he does it, but he just does it in the and he doesn't get like in front of the camera. He's uh-huh. just like off to the side being respectful and stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's my MVP. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Aaron, your MVP? Oh, my MVP. Well, my honorable mention MVP is, uh, you know, even though Hugh Jackman is playing a fuckboy, the man looks fantastic in a suit. Like, this, the the 18, the mid-1800s attire with the top hat and the cut of the suit, I'm just like, man, I like the cut of that jib. 
He he just looked fantastic. Did he originate in musical theater? Yeah, he's a song and dance man. Yeah, yeah. And then um, all of the uh, Wolverine and all that came Mm -hmm. later, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'd always been musical theater, Mm -hmm. I thought. Um and and like the music and the visuals and it, you know it's a it's a great fun movie if you put in the work to divorce yeah. yourself from all the other stuff but <laughs> my but that and you know what that's what welcome to my world in watching old movies is having the duality and having mm-hmm. to do the work of being able to enjoy these movies and also being like this is a bunch of fucking bullshit mm-hmm. white supremacy so. This is what I'm able to do the work, get fit and join it and do it with me. Um, my real MVP, though, is This Is Me. The song has all the hallmarks of, like, to me, it is the quintessential pop song. Okay. Let me read off because I made my my list of the reasons why because it I'm so glad you're saying this. It just checks off. Okay, first of all, it's a build song, which means it starts quiet and then it builds. So that's a check. Love that in my pop songs. It's got marching drums. I love that shit. You throw in some you get to the part in the build where you got the marching drums. Check. Love that. It's got what has been called, which has been dubbed the Millennials O's. The O. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it, it gets overused a lot, but when you place the O's, you got to build, you got how it places it. I'm like, this is a check because this is fantastic. You throw it, you add in a full choir. Yes, you got me again. Killer pre-chorus and chorus. I mean, whoo! Mm-hmm. The way that when it kicks in, it goes four on the floor, which means that's the bass drum that's pumping on the one, two, three, four. I love that shit. That's a staple of disco. People say disco sucks, but that's bullshit because if you dance, you know that disco doesn't suck. Yeah, and also the disco sucks movement is uh, that's a bit of racism right there. You can go in and Google that. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics now this mileage may vary for some, but to me these lyrics are not super cringy at all. I'm like, oh snap! Which brings me to how it has a great message while not being cringy. Because there are some anthem where you're like, that's a great pop song. And there are some lyrics. Like, you know, everybody knows pop songs where it does have some lyrics that kind of do make you cringe. There's one song that they always would play at, like, women's soccer games where I'm like, yeah, that's a banger. But it does kind of make me cringe. Like, I don't know. It's it's like the, something like, I'll fight or I'll, and you're just like, there's some things where you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. In the context of the movie, when they're dancing... And they got the the chest popping choreography, a la my man MJ. I mean, bad when he's mm-hmm. he's doing the bad dance and he's doing these dance moves because he's bad. But then it's uh, it's hilarious. But it's also like he is bad. 
He's doing these dance moves. No one would think this guy is bad. But if you saw this guy out in public doing those moves, you'd be like, he's bad. Because who would do those moves? It like folds in on itself. And when they do like the chest popping thing, I'm like, oh shit. It's just so pumped up. Also, this is by far, by far and away, the showstopper song of this whole film. And the fact that it's the best song, the showstopper, the get you all pumped up, ready to go. And it's about all of the people who this man, P.T. Barham, the fuck boy, cast away. Exploited, yeah. And are you ready to cry? Yeah, okay. Because I'm going to send you something to watch. Is it the is it the video that I watched where it's the workshop? The workshop. Is it the workshop where it's for the first time Kiala Settle sings the song in front of Hugh Jackman and the workshop people? No. Oh, no, it is. Should I pause this it? This is a trend that is taken over TikTok, and I cry every time I see one. This is just one example of them. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's amazing. I just sent to you all... Um, the first time Kiala Settle like performed it in a workshop and Hugh Jackman was he wasn't he had just had skin cancer surgery. So yes. like, okay, you're not yeah. you're not allowed to sing and stuff. And this was when they were workshopping it. They took all of these super big Broadway people in because this was how they were gonna get the, the film greenlit. This is how they needed money to make the film. And this was the first time that like she performed it. She's all nervous. And like at one point, Hugh Jackman does like he does the quintessential Aaron Bush where he gets like so emotional that he just goes <gasps> and like he audibly <laughs> does a thing. And oh, it, oh I'll have to watch that so much because I'm like, oh, that is that is so me. But at one point it pans to this, and there's like because they like super get into it and stuff. Cynthia Arrivo workshop this. Oh, wow. Because I'm like, that looks like Cynthia Revo. And she's like, she's, it pans to her and, and she's in there. And I'm just like, what the hell? Um, so I don't know why she wasn't in the film. She probably had other offers or oh, time yeah. restraints. Or maybe if she was like, but this is P.T. Bard. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like that song, it is, it is like Kesha. So good. The version, it is, it is a legitimate, awesome pop song. Yeah. It is just, because it's you can. It's so good. And, and Kila. Kiala. Kiala. Settle. 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 Uh, she was she was phenomenal. Oh, she, killed it. Oh, she killed it. And just like it just pumped me up and I was like, man, it's so that's why I I it's that's why I talk about like the work because like this movie contains this song in it that mm -hmm. is so awesome and so yeah. amazing. And it's also has is attached to Pete Fuckboy PT Barnum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where exactly. it's just like we didn't we didn't need to do this. You no, could, yeah. there was a way around it, and it's that lack of like honestly, it was people weren't in the room where it happens to make exactly. the decision of like we can make exactly. this movie. Let it. Let's not have it be PT Barnum. Hey Hugh Jackman, you want to be PT Barnum? All right, you're gonna have to do reprise your role in a grittier film. That's not mm -hmm. what this film is. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Who tells your story? Yeah. 
Okay, we are to recasting. And in the essence of what the film wanted to be about community, finding your community, this is my recasting. So my, okay, so, okay. My Zendaya, Zendaya Ann is India Moore, who is Angel in Pose. Oh. My Zach is going to be Angel Bismarck Creel, Creel, who is Poppy in Pose. Did you recast The Greatest Showman with Pose? <laughs> My charity is going to be Dylan Bernstein, who is Ricky in Pose. Pose. And my P.T. Barnum is going to be Billy Porter, who is Pray Tell. <laughs> and it is recast in the 2000s as the community of Pose. Well, it basically is Pose. So the greatest mm -hmm. showman is Pose. Mm -hmm. and, cool. and if they find their community and then they go out and do these things in their community, they're doing it with love and they aren't being laughed at because it's their community. Mm -hmm. I like they that. weren't getting paid for it, but I was rather happy with my reading. That's a good one. I went into the old Gone with the Bushes bag of tricks and I did a crossover. A I forgot what we said. A swap. Remember how we did it for yeah. loot? Mm -hmm. I did something the same with this movie, and I did the cast swap for 1934's Gone with the Wind. Mm. Oh, ouch. Watch out. Yeah. Because I never thought you would mention that, that so, movie again. Well, <laughs> but I think it's a really good thought experiment, and it's a way to kind of also... Look at this film, which also contains This Is Me, but also let's look at it this way. Different perspective. So P.T. Barnum, Clark Gable. Mm -hmm. Charity, his wife, Olivia de Havilland. Oh. And Butterfly McQueen. Mm -hmm. Philip, Leslie Howard. Jenny Lind, Vivian Lee. Of course. And Letty, Hattie McDaniel. And then we go to Gone with the Wind. It gets kind of uncomfortable of how well this lines up, guys. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Rhett Butler, Hugh Jackman, Scarlett O'Hara, Michelle Williams, Prissy, Zendaya, sorry, Zendaya, Ashley, Zac Efron, Oh my yeah. God. Melanie, Rebecca Ferguson, and Mammy, Kiala Settle. Let that sink in. Oh my God. I got goosebumps. I mean, real, real, real. Oh, wow. Well done. Oh, man. I thought I won the recasting this time, but I did it. No, you, I love me recasting. That, that just came to me after. Doing my reheatables, I was like, yes. this is crazy how well this lines up. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay, we're going to get to our tasty nuggets. Um, and, um, okay, so aforementioned, the tattoo man 
He his name was George Costantinus. <coughs> Excuse me. He had a total of 387 tattoos. Now listen. The tattoos were everywhere except the bottoms of his feet and portions of his ears. Ah, Mrs. Ween. It's me. Scrotum. Ween and the and, and ball the, sack? Ball, the ball sack. The ball Lord. sack. Not the ball sack. His tape? I'm just saying. Ugh. Ouch. And you Ouch. know from someone who has a tattoo. I have a tattoo, and every time we came to the top of a wave at sucker, it was like a like a bee sting right there. Oh, yeah. Sting. I, sting. I was like, oh yeah, I sting forgot. Him. Um, but one that I did like when it, it P.T. Barnum's uh, Museum of Curiosities, he had the word this way to the egress. And everybody thought, oh, that's going to be like the epitome of what we're going to see. Egress means exit because people were spending too long in there. He wanted to get them through, get them through, get them through. Like when you see the crown jewels. You have to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah, we, we got, we have, uh, this is money. Time is money. That's right. Like <laughs> the scale, as the Germans say. Interestingly enough, Jenny Lind was written with Anne Hathaway in mind. Oh. But they also thought of Carrie Mulligan, who is uh, Michelle Williams, Carrie Mulligan, it interchangeable. Would have if it was, you have Carrie Mulligan and Michelle Williams in a film, it would, it would just be like, because you just be. It's like any any of the old films with the you know with the blonde women, they all look alike. Also, <laughs> Elliot Page was considered for Jenny Lind. Oh, hmm. I know. I thought that was interesting. So those are my tasty nuggets. All right, I have that the budget was eighty-four million, and it made a box office of four hundred thirty-five million. That's what some Damn. top names will do for you. I remember, but this is one of those movies though that it didn't come out of the. I remember when it came out; mm -hmm. it was a holiday season. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this movie? Is Hugh Jackman? I didn't even know it was P.T. Barnum. It was like a musical. Either okay. I didn't even know what it was. But then I kept seeing all these great reviews for it. It was like, oh, actually, you know, you think like it's actually pretty good. It's actually a crowd yeah. pleaser. And then it was it was one of those the rare kind of movies that they just it just stuck around. I I feel like people just kept going and seeing it and it, you could also take everybody to it because they whitewashed exactly. history so much exactly. that they took away anything that would make anybody feel uncomfortable which um let's just stop doing that people need to get comfortable with their uncomfortable yeah, if you're gonna do right. history do history but if you want right. to do a feel good do a feel good exactly right. um so more on that um okay also another thing of how they like just bastardized history the thing with jenny lind she did go on a tour with him she did it because she ended up in today's money raising 10 million dollars she donated Jesus. that all to charity in sweden oh and wow. there, she never had an affair with pt thank Barno. you the reason that she stopped doing the tour was because she didn't like P.T. Barnum's over-the-top marketing annex, uh -huh. antics. 
Mm-hmm. And they parted ways mutually. It wasn't oh. this like she wasn't this uh Suki Tadri, Lali Linya. That wasn't her. Okay? She was she was there, the No Max the knife in there. Yeah. She was the Swedish nightingale. And they they could like they did they did Jenny Lynn dirty. Yeah, why you have to do that? It's her so dirty. Um cuz you know PT Barnum was I'm I haven't seen a picture, but I'm assuming not Hugh Jackman. No, he was not. So this was this was Hugh Jackman's dream project since 2009. That's he read three dozen books on P.T. Barnum. My yes. math makes that be 36 books on P.T. Barnum, and he was still cool. With still wanted to do the P.T. Barnum. I just want to say he doesn't. He's not good looking, but like there is a resemblance to Hugh. Oh, okay. I'm gonna look him up. Yeah, because you know what, Hugh Jackman. If you just like he, he just has that thing about him. But I think if you like just objectively look at his face, it's the it's the charisma that shines beneath his eyes. Exactly. And also an amazing physique, <laughs> a specimen yeah. of a man. Oh, okay. Or physique. Um. Oh. So this whole movie came about because the 81st Academy Awards, Hugh Jackman, I believe, was the host of that. And the producers of the Academy Awards were Lawrence Mark and Bill Condon. And when they're watching him, they're like, you know what? This guy, this guy's like P.T. Barnum. And that's when the idea came. And then that's when they pitched it to him. And that's when it became a dream project of Hugh Jackman. Ah, okay. And I'm guessing that these two, Mark, Lawrence Mark and Bill Condon, when they got to the part of uh, Joyce Heth, Heth, that's when they're like, oh, we're going to get Diane Carroll. And then I'm guessing they maybe, I would like to see the scenes that they shot because it ended up deleted. It did not come into this movie. So you know that it was like, oh, that's going to make, that's going to make people feel uncomfortable. We we can't have that. Um, This is me won the Golden Globe for best original song. It was nominated for an Oscar. It won the best compilation soundtrack for visual media Grammy award. And here are my sources. I got, there's the article 11 questions we had about the greatest showman by Dana Schwartz and 10 things you may not know about PT Barnum by Evan Andrews. And that was on history.com. So those are also great references to look up. Excellent. Uh, Christine. Nope. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) that was, yeah, but Again, see, Gone with the Bushes takes a movie that just appears to be a lot of fun, a lot of energy, a lot of community, a lot of goodness, and we we go into the gutter with you. Well, it's all of those things, but it is also all of these other things. Exactly. So, Christine, thank you, because I had not seen it, and I wouldn't have seen it if you didn't. And I did enjoy the... um, I'm going to say homage to Hamilton with the precision dancing and the, okay. So well, I would, I think that the, I, cause I was thinking about that while I was watching it is that it is in these um, updated what in my mind. And I don't know, cause I'm not a theater person. We would need to ask crystal about this, but it feels like it's in this sort of modern musical 
linear. Yeah, I think that's just what musicals are now. Yeah, we're yes. taking pop music, like oh, pop yeah. music sensibilities, and and kind of slapping it over the yeah. musical. Right, right. Sort of thing, and making it like, well, this is what people are listening to now. Right, making it pop. Temporary. Yeah. yeah. You know, make, but it still has its music theater. Exactly. So like, oh my God. I want song. This is the this song. Yeah, but making it the production, um, you know, music, like uh, six editors on this. And I was like, right. six editors. And then you see it, and it's like, oh, because, you know, the shot scene. Like, the, like, there was a right. lot going on in this yeah. that I definitely do want to tip my cat to the cap to the workmanship of this. But also at the same time, it's like this this is a disrespectful and disgraceful view of history to right. to keep right. like to call this character P.T. Barnum. It's just uh, uh, it's a lot to reconcile. So next week. All right, guys. This movie has long been on my list. We're in the middle of summer. It's a bit longer of a film, but it's Uh-oh, on okay. it's on HBO Max. So, okay. You know, you have access to it, so maybe you can like break it up into pieces. But it is a film that I've been wanting to do. I God, feel like break it, it up into pieces. Oh I feel God. like it's a a version of of a Gone with the Bushes. Um, you know, like summer move, like an old timey summer blockbuster. Although I don't know when it was released or anything like that, but 1948. Jesus. It's got one of the, the biggest Hollywood stars in it. Burt Lancaster. Oh. No. Okay. Oh. Uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart, anyone? Oh, we're doing. Hum- Wait, what are we doing? The Treasure of the Sierra, Sierra Madre. Madre. Nineteen forty-eight. It's a. It's two hours. Oh, oh, Aaron, uh, Christine, you can do that. I was thinking like four. No. What's it called? Like, the Treasure of what? The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Excellent. I have seen pieces of it. I mean, Humphrey Bogart, come on. It's Humphrey Bogart. I've always wanted to see it. It's on HBO Max. I've heard Excellent. it referenced a whole bunch of times. I'm just like, let's go Let's go back. We were in 2017. Let's yep. go back to 1948. Excellent. Yeah. And he'll be a, you know, he'll be a tough guy. Christine Adamal like that. Right. A tough guy. Well, listeners, this has been a week. The Greatest Showman. We hope you enjoyed this, and there you go. Bye. Bye.